guys, it's me, your biggest supporter, Ryan Geyser. I believe in you. You've got this, my dude. That sounded weird, probably. That felt weird on my throat. Anyway, thank you for listening to I Want to Watch the Very Best, because Gotta Watch Em All was taken. I do not have much to discuss this week. I went to my brother's graduation. Congrats to him. Considering I graduated when COVID started, I have no idea what graduation at a college is like, so I'm glad I got to see it and realized that I did not miss out on anything. It was very hot, very boring, my allergies were acting up, and they spoke way too long about a lot of stuff that did not matter. I'm glad I went. I got to support my brother graduating. It was all fun, but like seriously, they could really cut down some of those people's speeches. One guy just like kept saying, listen, I'm not going to say you should vote Democrat. But by the way, I'm a Democrat, and you guys should all have Democratic values. And it's like, dude, this is this is not your campaign speech. This is a graduation speech, my dude. Please just, just tell these kids how good they're going to do in the future. Why did they bring you as a keynote speaker? Why couldn't they have gotten, like, Weird Hal or something? I would love to go to a college graduation where Weird Al's, like, the keynote speaker. That would be so much fun. But I have got Anime Boston at the end of the month. I'm excited for that. They finally posted the schedule. I get to see what I get to do that week. It's going to be great. But for now, let's get right into today's fantastical episodio. Right now. Episode 47. A Chansey Operation. Synopsis. With Pikachu needing medical attention and no Pokemon Center for miles, the group desperately visits a regular doctor for help. But while there, the doctor reluctantly takes on the task of treating other injured Pokemon from a crash, and enlists both our heroes and even Team Rocket for help. Pikachu, rummaging around in a tree, suddenly jolts up and falls from it. Misty wakes up a sleeping ash, with Brock saying that Pikachu's voice sounds really weird, with something possibly being stuck in its throat. Ash decides the best way to fix this is shaking Pikachu upside down by his feet. Thanks, Ash. Yelling at the trainer to stop, Misty and Brock say Pikachu needs a doctor. But as they run towards a Pokemon Center, the narrator says that there's none for miles. As a result, the group desperately bangs on the door of a small, regular hospital, which has a sign saying closed. Eventually, a tired doctor opens up, and initially disinterested, agrees when Misty begs for him to help as well. Transitioning to the hospital room, the man, Dr. Proctor, starts giving Misty a checkup. However, after learning that he's supposed to be looking at Pikachu, dismisses the group, saying this is a hospital for humans, and that Pikachu should go to a Pokemon Center. But with the group's continued insistence, especially Misty, he relents and agrees to give it a shot. After listening to Pikachu's heartbeat, he diagnoses them with choking. Which is odd, thought you'd have to listen to breathing for that. Seeing that Pikachu's electrical energy is low, Dr. Proctor slams a defibrillator on them, waking the Pokemon up. He then looks inside Pikachu's throat, seeing something in it. Having Ash and Brock hold the Pokemon down, the doctor reaches his hand down Pikachu's mouth, causing all three of them to be electrocuted. Thankfully, he pulls out what Pikachu was choking on. A whole apple! My god, Pikachu, how did you swallow that? It's bigger than your mouth! The doctor assures Ash that he was just in time to prevent serious issues, but reprimands the trainer for letting Pikachu eat a whole apple, and tells the group to go home as he walks off. I knew I should have been a lawyer. 
The phone at the front desk begins ringing, but Dr. Proctor ignores it, saying he's off-duty. And since he's the only one in this whole hospital, that means the entire building is unstaffed. Cool, sure, that's not cause for some serious medical issues. Taking charge, Ash's group answers the phone to see a concerned Nurse Joy. After seeing the doctor slack off in the background, she tells everyone that a truck was carrying Pokemon and got into a bad accident. Not having enough room at the Pokemon Center, she needs Proctor's Hospital to help. We also see that the crash was caused by Team Rocket, Jesse blaming James for it and Meowth crying due to losing his head coin. Okay, fans and the anime itself like to view Team Rocket as useless idiots, but they get very close to pulling off really impressive heists sometimes. Like, they almost stole a giant truckload worth of Pokemon off camera, a really noteworthy feat. Dr. Proctor reluctantly agrees to help, and then pivots to asking Joy on a date. By the way, Nurse Joy, would you be interested in going out for pizza Saturday night? You can talk to me about pizza after our work is done. Well, can't blame a guy for trying. I don't like this guy. He sounds like me. That is disturbing. He recruits Ash's group to help, saying that due to short staffing, they have to be his assistants. They're lucky it's Pokemon being treated, or else the humans would sue everyone involved, very justifiably. Shortly afterwards, emergency vehicles arrive, with Chansey showing up to help as well. Seeing the first client is a Cubone, everyone jumps into action. The Pokemon begins crying and panicking, so the doctor says they need to control it. Ash immediately thinks this means having Bulbasaur come out and hold it down with a Vine Whip. But Dr. Proctor is like, no, you absolute dunce. This thing is a kid. You gotta be gentle with it. Getting an x-ray back, it's seen that the Cubone is physically fine. It just needs some of its external skull fractures repaired with superglue. Misty offers to take care of it, picking it up and comforting the Cubone until it calms down. Outside, Jesse and James beg for someone to help, as Arbok and Eradicate seem to be ready to fight. The doctor walks over and says that the Raticate's teeth are broken and it couldn't bite if it tried, telling a Chansey to just put the teeth back on with super glue. Okay, maybe that was fine for the Cubone skull, but I don't know if that would work for a tooth injury. But what do I know? I'm not a medical professional. The doctor then hits on Jesse, and she actually seems pretty interested in return before asking him to focus on Arbok first. Who are you? I'm Dr. Proctor. How about a pizza with me after I finish treating these Pokemon? I bet you're quite a doctor. Well, yes, I am. We'll talk more over the pepperoni, but right now you've just got to help my Arba. Okay, let's see. Proctor says that its own poison is circulating in its body, and it needs quick help. Ash, seeing Team Rocket, warns the doctor not to trust them. Ignoring Ash, the doctor knocks Arbok out with an anesthetic. Jesse's like, I told you to cure it, not kill it. But he assures her it's fine and untangles the snake's body. Ash wonders why the doctor would help an evil team, with him saying that it's his job to heal, not judge. Any other show would focus on the healer, not judge an executioner mentality a bit more, but Pokemon glosses right by it to get to the real meat of the episode. Pokemon dying. Seeing even more Pokemon come in, Dr. Proctor asks Jesse and James to help as well, which they agree to after Jesse is complimented. Meanwhile, Meowth cries over his missing coin, and you never realize how weird he looks without it until it's gone. 
Chancy then presents items that rhyme with the word at the end of Meowth's sentences, a clever way to fix rhyming with the word coin in Japanese. What happened to my charm? Somebody help me find my charm, I'll pay any price! Chancy? Oh, thanks! I said price, not rice! Chancy! Presenting a bowl of rice, a game board, an entire mini police station, and a venonet, Chansey grows enraged at Meowth and begins slapping him before slapping a band-aid on his boo-boo and calling him cured. Everyone works together to heal the remaining Pokemon, including fixing a pincer's horn and pulling a Voltorb out of a Weeping Bell's mouth. Jesse, forgetting and then being reminded that Voltorb explode, walks away, leaving Misty and Chansey to deal with it. The doctor then has to deal with a Dodrio that got its necks all tangled, and are extremely aggressive as a result. Trying to give an anesthetic to the Pokemon, the doctor is attacked and accidentally lets go of the syringe, which spins around and jabs through his doctor's coat and regular clothing into his arm. Despite nothing actually even being injected, as the plunger wasn't even pushed down at all, he passes out. Oh boy, that's not good. Are you okay, Doc? Does this look okay? Huh? I'd say this'll put me out for at least six hours. Doctor, you can't go to sleep. You guys take over. Good night. Doc! Doctor! Wake up, Doc. Come on, wake up. Uh, he's out. This man should really not be licensed. Now that Proctor is out of commission, Ash vows to help despite the lack of guidance. Since he is unofficially working for a hospital, I don't think he's protected by the Good Samaritan laws, but that doesn't stop him. His first order of business is having Squirtle Water Gun and Pikachu electrocute the Dodrio in order to get it to stop moving. Can't fight when you're dead. He even gets so wrapped up in it that he almost captures it with a Pokeball before being stopped by Brock. He then tells the Pokemon to take it easy, you'll be cured in no time. You know, moments after being beaten by its doctor. The group continues to try their best to heal all of the injured Pokemon while Proctor sleeps, but Team Rocket is nowhere to be seen. This is because they decided to lie in wait, looking for the perfect opportunity to steal weak Pokemon, viewing now as their chance. They begin to motto off at nobody, riding stretchers down the hallway before Meowth jumps in front of them crying about his charm, causing the trio to crash and alert the twerps. After declaring their intent to steal from the hospital, they then say that their next attack will be the Stretcher Catcher, kicking the stretchers towards the group, which stand up and use grabby hands to restrain them. It's impressive the Rockets put this together so quickly. Just as James is about to stab Ash with a giant syringe, a Chansey blocks their path. Jesse commands Arbok to beat it up, but the snake seems conflicted, eventually refusing to attack. Weezing goes through a similar conundrum to the confusion of Jesse and James. Proctor, having just woken up, explains that the two Pokemon remember Chansey treating them and refuse to hurt their healer. It's retroactively kind of interesting that Jesse is willing to hurt Chansey since she studied with them as revealed later in the series. Jesse then tries to throw an IV drip looking glass bottle at the doctor, but he slashes it with a scalpel, instead spreading the liquid everywhere. He then opens up his coat, revealing a bunch of scalpels, scissors, and needles. There is no good reason he should be carrying this many sharps that close to his body at all times, especially since they're no longer sterile because of this. 
Revoke his medical license. Chansey frees our protagonists, and Dash kicks the stretcher robots back at them. Fleeing their own creations, the rockets run through a wall and into the city. In the park, Jesse laments not catching anything, but James is like, Don't worry, I got this one! and pulls out a Voltorb, which promptly blows up on them. After landing from blasting off, Meowth hits his head, and his charm pops out, just being buried in his fleshy forehead this whole time. Dr. Proctor thanks the group, and says that they all have the potential to become great doctors, probably because medical standards in this world are extremely lax. He offers to train them, but they all decline. Misty seems interested, though, which is funny because she actually ends up becoming a professional gym trainer while Brock later actually becomes a Pokemon doctor in Sun and Moon. They then all wave goodbye to the one-man hospital as the episode concludes. This is a hard-to-analyze episode just because I'm having trouble putting into words my thoughts on it. It's unique, having a lot of quick, small problems to fix instead of one big one, and lacks consistent structure as a result, consistently cutting between scenes, situations, and characters. It's not bad that it does this, since it's the intended purpose of the episode, but it's just weird to see. Also, the doctor was so suave with his flirting, it sounded so natural coming from him, that like what he said just didn't fit. He says it all cool and calmly, like the overly sarcastic but lovable doctor on a TV show, and because of that, it just really didn't fit when he genuinely asked Nurse Joy out in, like, a comedic moment. He's also just incredibly incompetent, like, my god, he violates so many rules in this episode. Regardless, it's an enjoyable episode, but not one that I can see a lot of people picking as their favorite. Alright, next up we've got... Episode 48... Holy matrimony. Synopsis. Learning of a rich family's search for their son, the Pokey crew and Team Rocket are shocked to learn that the rich heir is James. But the money comes with a cost that James is unwilling to pay. An arranged marriage. Their journey continuing, Ash's group sees a missing persons poster featuring a young James, surprising all of them. A luxurious limo drives up beside them, a butler popping out and asking through a megaphone if the group has seen the boy in the photo. Ash confirms it, and the butler grabs the trio and whisks them away. Team Rocket, having been watching, appears from the brush, with Jesse commenting on the sign as well. This kid looks a lot like you. You think so? He looks pathetic. That's what she means, James! Right. James tries to stay behind as the other two go to investigate, but they force him with them. Ash's group finally starts to arrive. And I say start because they've been on the driveway for half an hour. The trio then marvels at the sight of the giant mansion. Only to be told by the butler that that's just the house for Growly, James's favorite Pokemon, and the real mansion is behind them, a solid four times larger. Being led inside, they don't notice Team Rocket arriving as well, with James looking especially upset. Initially admiring the building, the Pika Trio then notice two coffins in the foyer. The butler then sadly explains that the owners of the mansion passed away that morning, leaving their only child James as the sole heir. Ash hopes they find James soon, but the butler angrily tells him that James must marry his fiancée in the 24 hours after his parents' passing in order to claim the estate, or else it will be given to charity. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. 
Outside, the trio say that they should probably help find him, if only to say goodbye to his parents one last time. Thankfully, Jesse and Meowth, having been listening in, try to force James inside, but he refuses intensely. Jesse coldly asks if he wants to become rich or not, and James suddenly panics, unable to remember his youth outside of the school, the bike gang, and one other memory. On a snowy night, a young James and his loyal Growlithe, Growly, walk the streets hungry. James collapses, begging Growly to go on without him, looking up and seeing a mural of angels, realizing his time has come and dying in the streets, with Growlithe howling over James' body all night long. Everyone begins crying over James's death, moved by the story. With only Misty yelling and pointing out that James is right there. Fun fact, the story he told is basically a retelling of A Dog of Flanders, an English story that's become a popular children's tale in several Asian countries, including Japan. Not caring what James does or doesn't remember, Jesse says they'll fake a wedding to get the inheritance, but James tries to run. Jesse and Meowth lasso him, which Ash's group objects to but does nothing about. Gagging James and forcing him into a suit, controlling him while wearing invisible costumes, really just black outfits that prop people in plays wear. Jesse speaks for him, fooling the butler and having them all go inside. The butler tells the two coffins that James has finally returned, just as they wished, with Jesse trying her best to sell the act. Oh, Mommy, Daddy, it's true. I'm back home at long last to get my money. Huh? Uh, uh, blowing it! I'm going to get married just like it says in your will. And I want cash, not a check. What's that? I mean, I'm only joking, of course. <laughs> Suddenly, a ghostly laugh fills the room as James's parents burst from the coffin, delivering the first part of the rocket motto. Prepare for trouble. Yes, dear, and make it double. There it goes! Oh, James, dear, we're so happy you've come back home. And you're wearing a suit. His parents are happy that their son returned, while Jesse and Meowth are really confused at what's going on, with James being like, Of course they'd pull some stupid stunt like this to get me back. The BS is just like them. Jesse realizes that James was lying about his amnesia before the butler grabs the rocket trio and runs upstairs with them and the parents to prepare for the wedding while Ash's group kind of just stands there dumbfounded. James's parents say it's his duty to marry and continue the family line, turning him around to face his soon-to-be wife, with them telling her that it's her job to turn James into a proper gentleman. The woman reveals herself as Jezebel, a woman who looks and sounds near identical to Jessie, the only difference being her hairstyle and speaking in a Southern Belle accent, with everyone being shocked at her appearance. James keeps refusing the marriage, with Jezebel wondering why he's talking to himself, confusing Ash's group since Jesse and Meowth are plainly visible. James's fiance then suggests counting inheritance money in the vault, leading them into a giant basement, Jesse and Meowth forcing James to continue. Ash's group kind of just follows behind and spies on them from a distance the whole time. Being led inside the vault, Team Rocket is surprised to see it filled with not money, but a combination of gym, circus, and torture equipment. James angrily telling his companions they were tricked. Jesse and Meowth are confused on how they were seen, angering James further. 
His parents then appear on podiums, telling him it's time he matured and became more dignified, with Jezebel then appearing with a whip, declaring to start the taming. The family then reveals that they knew the rockets were hiding there the whole time, and only played dumb to get them into the dungeon. Jesse throws a smoke bomb, and James tries to escape with them, but is stopped by his fiance, who starts whipping him as the family drinks tea and watches. Those two were made for one another, just like you and I, my precious. It's a perfect match. If you two weren't such lousy parents, you'd stop this mad woman! Jezebel then trips James and sends out Vileplume, stun-sporing him and Ash's group. She vows to make James a gentleman, even if it destroys him, before calling the butler over and having him throw out the captured Rocket members along with Ash's team. Outside, both groups hear James's pained cries, and then growling coming from the smaller house, with something ramming against the door. Pikachu and Meowth say that whatever's inside wants out, and, working together, both groups pull open the door to reveal a Growlithe, which rushes to James's side right as he calls out for Growly. The small fire puppy jumps in front of James and runs away with him before another stun spore hits, bringing him to the small house where everyone waits. James and his beloved pet are joyfully reunited, and he then explains that he ran away due to Jezebel's overbearing personality and methods, along with all of the rules high society had. Where are you going, James? I haven't finished teaching you the correct way to eat spaghetti yet! I want to do things my way, Jezebel! You're not running properly! Let me show you the right way! Just as everyone begins to sympathize with James, Jezebel bursts through the wall, causing Jesse and Meowth to fly off through the roof. She attempts to have Vileplume stun them, but Growly fires through the spores. The Growlithe and Pikachu then both land attacks, causing Jezebel and Vileplume to run away being like, You mean all brutes! James's parents are feeding Magikarp in the pond and see Jezebel approaching, commenting on how good of a daughter-in-law she'll be before she runs into and knocks them into the water, declaring that she's leaving due to Growly. The parents then laugh and are like, Oh, she's too good for our delinquent son. <laughs> James thanks Growly, but asks him to take care of his parents, as he's going to return to Team Rocket, where he has a better sense of belonging. James and Growlithe then part, the Pokemon howling mournfully as his master walks away. Jesse and Meowth sadly walk through the woods themselves, saying that James chose high society over them, despite them being the ones who forced him into it. And also, the last time they saw him, he was under attack. He still has a chance to come back. Don't give up on him so quickly. Luckily for them, James calls out the start of their motto, approaching them in the balloon, grabbing Jessie's hand as she recites the second part, the two promising to stick together. Prepared for trouble? Huh? Hey, it's him! James! Oh, make it double! <laughs> I guess we're not going to get rich this time either. Guess not. They wouldn't give me the inheritance. Oh, there's always next time. We may not make a lot of money, but we sure have got our freedom. Yeah, double trouble time, right? Sounds great to me, James. In a twist of fate, we then see 
Ash's group suffering as the closing scene, with Jezebel pursuing them and asking for help in finding James, and then yelling, You're not running properly! I absolutely love this episode. Honestly, any episode where Team Rocket is the focus and they're not being overly villainy, it's incredible, with this being the perfect example. Plus, this is the first big Team Rocket backstory episode we get. Meowth gets one later, but Jessie takes a bit to get to hers, and it's kind of scattered too. But all of the backstory episodes just show how well this trio works together, despite their flaws and aggressions. Each of them just makes you root for the Rockets more than the main group, and it really helps the chemistry between them while giving very good reasons for their motivations. All of them join Team Rocket, as we'll see more of later, because they had nowhere else to go, with James's reason being the lack of freedom he had at home. All of their different backgrounds and personalities really help the group mesh better and better with each Rocket-focused episode. This is also just a pretty entertaining episode in general. The jokes land well, and the plot is really solid for what it is. So, this one gets a glowing recommendation. Okay, up next we have... Episode 49. So near, yet so far-fetched. Synopsis. Following the rare Pokemon Farfetch'd, Misty accidentally runs into a boy in the woods. When she returns to the group, however, they learn that the boy swapped Misty's bag with a fake, stealing all her Pokemon by using Farfetch'd as a distraction. Now the team must quickly locate the boy and get back Misty's bag. Having been on the road for a while, the group stops at a quiet meadow. As they rest, the three of them discuss a rumor that a rare Pokemon, Farfetch'd, was spotted in the area. The Pokedex also says that Farfetch'd are delicious to eat with their leek and are almost extinct as a result. Cool, fun, thanks Pokemon! Knowing that it's valuable, Ash decides that he wants to catch one. Brock then tells everyone that a nearby spring has water they can refill their canteens with, so he, Ash, and Pikachu go to it while Misty hangs back. After sitting and needlessly harassing Psyduck, she hears cries from a Pokemon she doesn't recognize, quickly seeing that it's the rumored Farfetch'd, which marches out right in front of her. After the Pokemon does a fancy little twirl with its leak, Misty decides that it's super cool and that she wants it for herself, since Ash and Brock aren't here to try it for themselves. But before she can initiate a battle, the bird Pokemon runs away, causing Misty to quickly recall Psyduck and chase after it. She pursues it far into the woods, but loses sight of it when she runs into a guy just hanging around behind a tree, knocking both of them down and causing Misty to lose her bag. The boy, who is later revealed to be named Keith, and I'm just telling you now so I can describe things easier, apologizes, with Misty doing the same right back, as he hands her her dropped backpack before running off again. Upset at losing sight of Farfetch'd, Misty annoyedly returns back to the resting spot. Asking where she's been, Misty tells Brock and Ash that she chased after the wild bird, and they both respond... surprisingly angrily! No, oh, I found a Farfetch'd and tried to capture it, but it got away! You, you tried to capture it? it? Have <gasps> you been sneaking around behind our backs? Huh? Uh, of course not. If I caught it, it would have been all of ours. Yeah, right. What, is she not allowed to catch Pokemon too? Has to have one of the men catch it for her? That That's not very feminist of you, Ash and Brock. Putting her refilled water bottle back in her bag, Misty suddenly realizes to her horror that she has the wrong bag, dumping out a bunch of stones wrapped in newspaper. Meanwhile, Keith is walking further into the woods with his Farfetch'd, admiring their teamwork and the five Pokemon he managed to steal. Now, 
Interesting thing to know is Bulbapedia lists his ability to quickly create a replica backpack as an error due to the short amount of time he had after seeing Misty, but I'd like to argue against it. See, it's later revealed that Keith has done this many times and is very good at stealing Pokemon. So I think it's not unreasonable for him to have several brands of common backpacks ready to go with just some junk inside them, which he could then stash at different areas in the woods that Farfetch could bring people to, triggering the trap. So maybe from some hiding place, he saw Misty finally be alone and sent his Pokemon out to distract her, then got into position. Plus, they don't list the Miraculous Thefts Team Rocket do his errors, so bias much? Maybe there's just a lot of really talented thieves out there. Regardless, the group deduced that Keith swapped the backpacks in the person crash, with Misty crying over losing every Pokemon she's ever caught. It then cuts back to Keith, chilling in a tent and surrounded by stolen bags and Pokemon. Farfetch then alerts him to a new target, Team Rocket, who are walking right past his hiding spot. They begin with a similar stunt, Farfetch'd grabbing the trio's attention by marching right up to them. Unlike the first con, however, Keith approaches them, asking if they like his Pokemon. Team Rocket, realizing it has a trainer, becomes saddened by the fact that they can't have it. Hey, 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 Team Rocket. You are Team Rocket! You have spent the last, like, almost 50 episodes trying to steal or poach Pokemon. You should be grinning evilly, prepared to beat this kid up immediately, instead of looking all sad. Why is this one, that stated multiple times to be super rare, such an exception to the rule? Just beat him up and take it like you've tried to do every other time. Ugh. Anywho, Keith says that he was actually planning on getting rid of his Farfetch'd, and also has a Starmie and Staryu in his bag and was just getting tired of raising Pokemon. He then leads them to a motorboat, for some false pretense reason that I assume was given off screen, and says he oh, forgot something back at his site, asking the Rockets to watch his Pokemon and bag while he goes to get it. Of course they agree, planning to steal everything while he's away. They then grab the bag and Farfetch'd, hopping into the boat to get away, thinking Keith was just stupid enough to give them everything they needed for a clean heist, despite the fact that he said repeatedly he was just going to give it to them anyway. Now... Keith's plan required two factors to be true. Team Rocket uncharacteristically not just beating him up and taking his stuff immediately on site, but then also stealing his stuff and escaping while he's away instead of actually waiting politely for him. It's certainly possible that he didn't know they were Team Rocket and had a backup of coming back and changing his mind if they didn't steal everything, just cutting his losses, but using the easy bait con makes me think he knew they were Pokemon thieves and just hoped that they wouldn't steal from him before the plot. It's a little convoluted, but you gotta remember that every good con man has like three plots and backups. While on the boat, a cork in the hull suddenly pops out, allowing water to begin rushing into the small watercraft. Despite it being a very small hole, they are unable to cover it up and the boat eventually sinks, with Farfetch jumping off before it does. Team Rocket's Pokeballs then begin to float downstream, with Jessie crying out for Arbok and Lickitung, which she doesn't even have yet due to this episode airing out of order due to Porygon. Meowth proposes using the water Pokemon in the bag to grab the Pokeballs, but they just find rocks and a taunting note, angrily rushing downstream and over a waterfall as Farfetch steals their Pokemon and gives them to Keith. Once again, another part of the plan that just worked perfectly for him. Team Rocket has blasted off nearly 50 times so far, and only once did they ever lose their Pokemon, which was the giant water tornado. 
but just falling into the water on a slowly sinking boat causes their Pokeballs to come loose for the second time ever? Everything worked in this guy's favor so well! Ash's group, meanwhile, reports the theft to Officer Jenny, with Misty thinking it was just an accident, but Jenny saying it was the work of a Pokemon thief, being the fifth victim this week. Since Keith had way more than five backpacks in his tent, this just further proves my has-multiple-bags-as-prep theory. Jenny then tells the group that she's been trying to catch him, but he moves around too much for her to grab, and basically says, Sorry kid, your Pokemon are going to be gone for at least a while. Keith then goes over his and Farfetch'd backstory to the Pokemon, saying that they've been together ever since he nursed the injured bird back to health, having to steal just to survive since they're too weak to battle, but he seems to genuinely wish there was another way. I don't know, seems like you were really enjoying stealing and even had plenty of money to make a motorboat trap. I think you're doing way better than you believe you are, pulling some kind of mental gymnastics here. Unknown to either of the thieves, Psyduck breaks out from its Pokeball and wanders off without either of them realizing, while Team Rocket also begins searching for him for revenge. Taking Officer Jenny to the spot Keith was last seen, Misty laments her stolen Pokemon even further. Oh, I can't believe he stole all my Pokemon! Staryu, Starmie, Goldeen, and Horsey! Misty, you forgot Psyduck! Oh, I wish I could forget Psyduck! Speaking of her duck, Psyduck waddles out of a bush, and Misty is actually pretty happy to see them. But she grows increasingly frustrated when Psyduck can't answer any of her questions about Keith and his location, dropping it in frustration. The group tries having Psyduck lead them anyway, but it can't tell which path had a fork in the road to take, and Misty starts shaking it angrily. Brock then calms her down, saying Psyduck is trying his best as it then picks a direction. Keith, meanwhile, is packing up his sight and planning to head off, but is stopped by Team Rocket, who demand their Pokemon back along with an apology. Keith goes, it was just a prank, bro, and gives them their Pokemon along with a bag just full of Pokeballs, which Team Rocket accepts as a peace offering. As Keith waves the balloon off, Psyduck surprisingly successfully leads Misty and the group to him. The four of them then surround the Pokey Thief and his bird, while Ash gives a speech about how it's wrong to steal Pokemon that were lovingly raised by someone else. Despite the situation, and an officer right there ready to arrest him, Jenny then suggests, How about we show him a real Pokemon battle? Probably because she just doesn't feel like working right now and would rather have some ten-year-old crime victim take care of it. Ash, having an addiction to battles, agrees with this and challenges Keith who timidly says that Farfetch'd is too weak to battle, and that's why he had to steal. So then, use the stolen Pokemon? What else were you gonna do with them? Selling them to Team Rocket clearly wasn't the plan since that bridge is now burned, so what was your end goal here, man? Brock then encourages the bandit, saying that Pokemon will become stronger if you work with them. Once again, really going against the flow of the situation here. Farfetch then steps out and accepts the battle for Keith, despite his protest. Ash has Bulbasaur fight, starting with a tackle that is dodged. Bulbasaur then starts vine whipping it, just absolutely bludgeoning and destroying this Farfetch'd, causing Keith to beg it to stop, stop, he's already dead. However, with a fire in its eyes, the bird starts batting away a couple of the vines and charges Bulbasaur with agility to dodge the whips before repeatedly bapping Bulbasaur with its leak until it faints, winning the battle and cheering. Keith is amazed at his Pokemon's ability, saying that if he knew it was this strong, he wouldn't have had to steal other Pokemon. 
Prepared to continue the battle, Ash is about to have Pikachu attack. But Misty steps in, saying that she was the one who was robbed. She should be the one to battle him. She then sends out Staryu. Before remembering that she still hasn't gotten her Pokeballs yet. Being all like, ha ha ha, oopsies. Without her saying anything, Psyduck steps into the battlefield. Seemingly still confused why it even exists. Farfetch'd laughs at it and begins repeatedly hitting it on the head with the leak. Misty, seeing the opportunity for Psyduck to get a headache, roots for her opponent to beat the duck senseless, all while Farfetch'd makes a funny attack noise. Psyduck activates its headache move, using Psychic to knock Farfetch'd right into Keith, knocking them both down. Up in the sky, Team Rocket decides to see what Pokemon they got. You know, not caring that one of them may be like an Onix or something that could bring the balloon down. Luckily and unluckily for them, all of the Pokeballs contain an angry Voltorb. So, Keith not only had the foresight to put every Voltorb he stole in the same backpack, but also just happened to steal from trainers who all had a bunch of Voltorbs since he never caught any himself. Angrily complaining that the kid got them twice in one episode. And that's not a goof, they actually say that. The Rocket Trio begin throwing all the Voltorbs out of the balloon, unknowingly dropping them onto the Pokemon battle below. Everyone panics as the explosions are going on around them, with Keith hugging Farfetch'd and promising he won't do any more crimes. Then, without any resolution to that scene, it fades away to a sunset later that day at the police station. Keith begs for forgiveness, saying he'll return everything, with Jenny saying that no one is pressing charges since they're all getting their Pokemon returned. So has he returned them already or not? I'm getting really mixed messages here. Keith then vows to become stronger with Farfetch'd, with Ash's group encouraging him to do so. The boy and Pokemon then walk off, their heads held high. The narrator explains that everything worked out and gives credit to Psyduck for its help. He then says that everyone learned an important lesson about honesty, bravery, and trust. I mean, maybe two of those things, but when was bravery ever brought up? We then end with Team Rocket searching for Keith so they can report him to their boss. But Meowth points out that if they report the kid who outsmarted them, he may be let into Team Rocket while they'd be kicked out. So they decide to just keep quiet. Then a Voltorb, who I guess was just chilling in the balloon unnoticed this whole time, rolls up and explodes, sending the balloon careening to the ground. I know it's a kid's show, and I'm an adult watching a silly cartoon about catching monsters, but wow, things start to break down if you look at them just a little bit. It's kind of funny how perfectly this kid's plans worked out and how much mental gymnastics he has to do for what sounds like no real end goal. But other than that, it's an okay episode, I guess. I don't really have too much to say on it. It's not really extremely remarkable. Okay, next up we've got... Episode 50? Who gets to keep Togepi? Synopsis. Due to a plot by Team Rocket, the egg found at the canyon dig site is stolen! While attempting to get the egg back, it hatches into the newly discovered Togepi, and both Ash's team and Meowth believe that they should be the ones to keep it, deciding to settle it with a battle. Stopping at an unnamed town's Pokemon Center, Nurse Joy gives Ash a card with a gif of dancing Professor Oaks on it, with the message asking him to contact Oak. 
The professor answers in mere seconds, and comments on how well everyone seems to be doing, while Muck sneaks around the corner of the screen before glomping Oak, causing him to beg Ash to make the next Pokemon sent over a bit more manageable. Before the Muck suffocates him, Oak quickly crawls out from under it and tells Ash about the new Pokedex upgrade, which gives it a new voice and details on new Pokemon. Ash inserts his device into the computer and a couple seconds later gets the new data. Oak encourages Ash to go out and catch some new Pokemon, and Ash promises him it'll happen soon. Later sitting down to rest, the group suggests that Ash head towards Cinnabar Gym next. Ash then asks Brock what he thinks the egg is going to hatch into, as the aspiring breeder's been the one taking care of it, but he's not sure. The group then imagines what might hatch. Misty hopes it's a Tentacruel, despite it being an evolved Pokemon. Ash worries it might be an Aerodactyl, and actually that's very reasonable, that's fair, Ash. And Brock wants it to be a Golem. Despite that also being an evolved Pokemon, and Brock also already having a Geodude he could evolve. As Misty also hopes for maybe a Lapras, Team Rocket listens in from across the room, disguised as a waiter and waitress. Retreating to a back room, the trio vow to steal the egg regardless of what will hatch from it. James declares they have a proud tradition of failure to uphold, before being kicked by Jesse and being kept out of the planning phase of the scheme. As our group of heroes prepare to head off, Team Rocket intercepts them, disguised as Appalachian egg sellers. Hello, everybody! Good day! <laughs> I don't believe my eyes! Eggs. So you will buy our eggs! Presenting a basket full of eggs similar to the one Brock's holding, the group declines buying one due to already having an egg. The sellers then beg to see Brock's egg, and when he pulls it out, the two throw the fake eggs at the group, with Meow stealing the real one. The rockets reveal themselves and give their motto, but get annoyed when they realize the Pokey crew isn't listening, instead searching for their egg. They all pick up a bunch of fake ones, but they burst open to reveal a note with a frowny face and even the tongue. Dang, the Rockets put way too much effort into this than they needed to. I am impressed. Ruining the trickery of having a bunch of fakes, Meowth then shows the group that he's holding the real egg, and then runs off. Instead of just leaving the fallen ones as a distraction to buy time, eh. Regardless, they still manage to escape to a safe house, putting the egg on a pillow. James is dead set on eating it, despite the plan being to give it to the boss. But Meowth hits him and said that he's going to hatch it, keeping it warm with his body. Meowth actually takes decently good care of it, refusing to let the egg leave his sight, and then even taking a bath with it while reading a bedtime story. I'm gonna tell you a bedtime story. Hmm, once upon a time. Ah, you're boiling it. I like mine soft-boiled. <laughs> I told you I'm gonna hatch it, not eat it! The trio then go to bed, Meowth sleeping with the egg while the other two look on disgusted. The next morning, Ash's group is following the direction Team Rocket ran off in, and find a trail of eggs. Why did it take them a full night to even come close to finding the Rockets, who made it to the base in only a short time, and why did Team Rocket just start dropping eggs a decent distance into the journey to their hideout? Heck, why were they dropping eggs at all? They threw them all at the twerps! Whatever, just roll with it. Calm, calm down, Ryan. Calm down, Ryan. Eventually finding the cabin and spying in, they see Team Rocket eating breakfast, Meowth polishing the egg. 
James presents Meowth his scrambled egg breakfast, but Meowth knocks him out for being so insensitive. Ash sends out Pidgeotto, Brock sends out Geodude, and Misty sends out Staryu, but not before Psyduck pops out for a second. All three of which break into the cabin and cause chaos, with Pidgeotto snatching the egg from Meowth. Team Rocket sends out Arbok and Weezing in retaliation, shrouding the area in smog as the snake charges at Ash, who ducks out of the way. Meowth then scratches Ash and steals the egg back, starting a chain where everyone continuously attacks each other, dropping the egg for another to catch until eventually Ash has Pidgeotto clear away the smoke, with the egg being tossed up into the air by accident. Ash tries to dive for it, but misses. Thankfully, Pikachu manages to catch it before it hit the ground, everyone sighing in relief and praising Pikachu. The egg then suddenly begins glowing and finally hatches, revealing a Togepi. However, Misty jumps right in before it breaks the shell to steal it from Ash's hands, making her the first thing Togepi sees. Ash, Brock, and Team Rocket all gather around to see the new Pokemon. Before both sides remember that they have a fight to finish, with Pikachu quickly electrocuting the opposing side into submission, and Meowth especially upset at the group running out with Togepi. At the park, Misty plays with the new Pokemon, while Ash investigates it with his conveniently just upgraded Pokédex. But all the Dex knows is its name. Thanks for the help, Dexter! The three then all argue over who should keep the baby. Ash arguing that he found the egg, Brock arguing that he raised it the entire time, and Misty saying that Togepi just likes her the most. While Brock and Ash make good points, Misty does not, and both of them call her out on this. Suddenly, Meowth approaches them and says that he deserves Togepi, since he took better care of it than any of the main group ever did, with Jesse and James vouching for this. Momentarily surprised by the sensitivity Team Rocket is showing, they then all decide that a Pokemon battle tournament would be the best way to handle this argument, with everyone agreeing. Finding an empty stage, Brock prepares to decide who battles who in a six-way tourney, but Meowth says that Jesse and James shouldn't be included, since they never helped in any way to raise Togepi. The two of them are angry, but it's decided that it'll be a four-participant competition. It's also decided that each person only gets to use one Pokemon. Meowth then suddenly remembers that he has no Pokemon, and his teammates angrily reject his request to use one of theirs. He then says, Hey, wait a second! I'm a Pokemon! I can battle! He's then pitted against Onix, getting beaten away quickly, but then gives himself orders. It's actually kind of cute. Meowth dodge rolls out of the way of Onyx's tail smashes, and worries he may not win. However, seeing Togepi resting on a pedestal, he becomes determined to win just for it. He then sees some water buckets, and splashes them onto Onyx to trigger its weakness. Hitting the rock snake with some fury swipes, Meowth actually comes out with a surprising win. Brock accuses him of cheating, but I don't know, using the environment seems like fair game. Heck, Ash even did it in your gym battle with him, so complete credit to Meowth here for the legit and impressive win. Ash chooses Bulbasaur, and before Misty can send out her choice, you guessed it, Psyduck pops out instead to her pure horror. Ash says that she's not allowed to switch Pokemon, and she angrily realizes that he's right, encouraging Bulbasaur to attack Psyduck's head. Ash is like, uh, I'm not that stupid. Bulbasaur, go lick his head instead. 
Okay, Ash, sure. Bulbasaur, go lick Psyduck on the head! Bulbasaur! No, Bulbasaur! You'll never lick Psyduck if you lick it! Good! After having Bulbasaur tickle the duck with Vine Whip, Psyduck somehow recalls itself with Ash being declared the winner. In the final match, Meowth and Pikachu face off, both determined to win. Meowth especially recalling his time with the egg and vowing to win for the baby. Just as he boldly rushes in with a fury swipe, Pikachu just gently taps him with their tail, absolutely obliterating him with a large electric attack. Jesse and James, showing surprisingly good sportsmanship, drag a chard and sad Meowth away as he accepts his loss and hopes Togepi will be happy with its trainer. Ash then tries to claim Togepi as his own, but it doesn't seem to respond to him at all. Misty then leans in and says that Togepi really does just like her the most, with Togepi happily proving this. Despite earlier the Pokedex saying it had no information, it then suddenly informs the group that Togepi imprints with the first thing it sees, that being Misty, as she ruined everything by stealing the egg at the last second from Ash. While Ash and Brock just kind of watch dumbfounded, the narrator congratulates Togepi on its new mother as the episode very quickly rushes to a close. So yeah, this episode really shows off Misty in the worst possible light, huh? She contributed nothing to caring for this egg and just gets it because she butted in at the last second to steal it from Ash. Honestly, I would have liked Togepi going to Meowth more. He worked hard and legitimately cared for the bab. Misty haters rejoice, here is your episode. She does get a pretty iconic sidekick for a majority of the series, though. And it's pretty cool seeing a Pokemon that's not from Gen 1 for the first time, Togepi being the first Pokemon from another gen to appear early, as a teaser for what's to come. That actually becomes a recurring theme in some of the movies later, but Togepi is the OG. A lot happens in this episode, and each half honestly kind of feels like two different episodes, but that's a good thing. I feel like I get my time's worth out of it, and it's entertaining most of the way through. Hey guys, it's Intro Ryan again, back at it. Surprise! Did you miss me? I missed you. You're great still. I still believe in you. So thank you for watching today's episode of I Want to Watch the Very Best because Gotta Watch Them All was taken. And it would mean a lot to me if you told your friends. Just told them about the funny podcast. It would also mean a lot to me if you pressed the subscribe, follow, whatever button your service uses to let you know that a new episode comes out. It means a lot to me to do that too. And if you want to stay updated on occasion, I have a Twitter account. It's at Wannavary on Twitter.com. I post episode updates there just to let you know that they exist, and I will keep you informed of any news that happens as well, like a late episode. God forbid I have a late episode. That is my greatest fear. So once again, thank you for listening, and I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever. Just have... A good one. Bye. Aye, aye.